confess after me, say, this is God's word. Come on, I need you to say it like you mean it today. This is God's word. Not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. And Father, we thank you for this time that we have to fellowship around your word. We thank you that your word is life-giving. It provides a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And I thank you that your word today is going to minister to every person that's in this room. That no one will leave this place spiritually unfed. Those who need direction will get it. Those who need encouragement will receive it. And those, Father, who need salvation will see their lives changed in the name of Jesus. And as I have decreased, I thank you for the anointing of God and the revelation of your spirit to feed each person. And I thank you that the spirit of God is going to work through us, through me. And signs, miracles, and wonders are going to follow your word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap as you take your seats this morning. I am so excited to preach this morning. I feel like a Bishop Jakes is coming up on me. Only because it's hot in here. If you're visiting us, it's normally not this warm. Can I attest to that for the members? Not normally. Normally it's freezing in here, but I felt led to wear a t-shirt this morning. I think my leading was right. What about yours? Amen. Uh, and so today, I'm going to do an independent message. Say independent message. I want to share it because I believe that this is an area that God wants to see our church grow and function in a higher way. And so one of my spiritual assignments, say spiritual assignments. God gives every pastor a spiritual assignment, and I have at least three of them. And one of my spiritual assignments is to teach people the word of faith so that they can overcome every obstacle they will ever face as a testimony of God's power and love for his children. Some people will not know that God is real until you, they see him working in your life. Amen. And so today is not just a faith checkup for those who know faith, but a faith reality check. Everybody say reality check. See, I'm a reality uh, show fanatic. I like to watch reality shows. Even though they may not be real, I like to watch them anyway. And, and today, we're going to get a faith reality check. And that just means to make sure that your faith is on track so that you can understand and receive God's promises for your life. It's going to help us to, to continue to grow in faith. And so today's message, if you want to take notes on the back of your bulletin, is entitled, Faith to Believe the Word. Faith. To believe the word. If you would turn your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. And I'm going to give you four simple points this morning. Four simple points. 
And the first point is the perspective of faith. The perspective of faith. I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8. And this particular story was really intriguing to me. Because I don't read the Bible just to read it as a storybook. I read it because I want to, first of all, understand the principles that are in the Word. Because once you understand the principles that the Word are governed by, those principles will work in your life. Then I also read it to see the responses of the people that things happen to in their life. And so in this particular uh, story, there was a centurion soldier who needed something done by Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 8, if you're in Matthew chapter 8, we're going to start in verse 5. And I want you to write down this first point if you're writing notes. I want you to write down, God is always willing to perform what we ask him in faith. I'm going to say that again. God is always willing to perform what we ask him in faith. In Matthew chapter 8, look in verse 5. It says, And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lies at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus, that's almost like cancer in these days, you know. It says in verse 7, And Jesus said unto him, read it with me, I will come and heal him. Now see, personally, I would have been satisfied with that. Jesus coming to my house? I wouldn't even have cared how junky my house was. If Jesus was coming to my house, I would have just brought him in. I would have stopped on the way to get some Kentucky Fried Chicken. We'd have sat down together. We would have drunk some wine. The kind that he made. Not the kind that y'all drink. The kind that he made. We would have drunk some wine. And we would have ate chicken and fellowship. And then I'd have had him to do what he needed to do. But this guy was different. Notice now in verse 8 he says. The centurion answered and said. Lord. I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. But if you would just speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Look in verse 9. I'm going to break this down in my teaching. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this person, go, and he goes. And I say to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard it, this is what got me. He marveled and said to them that followed Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. In other words, when Jesus heard this guy's response, Jesus said, I have not met a person in Israel who had this level of faith. So I asked the Lord this question. How do we get that level of faith that that guy had? Because if we can learn to react and respond in this level of faith, then whatever that guy got done in his life, God will do in our life. Amen. And so if you drop down now to verse 13, it says, And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go your way, and as you have what? Believed. Believed. Notice that's past tense. So be it done unto you. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Everybody say the perspective of faith. See, here's the deal. God is always willing to perform what we're willing to ask him in faith. Now, go to 2 Peter very quickly. 2 Peter, keep your hand here because we're going to come back. That's going to be our foundational text. Go to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to look in verse 9. 2 Peter 3 verse 9. And here's what I need you to see from this verse, that that this will shut the devil up in your life. 
Because see, the, I see that the problem with most believers is that they allow the devil to talk to them too much. See, anytime you hear something negative going on in your head, that's the devil talking to you. Now, if you'll notice in 2 Peter chapter 3, I'm going to read the verse and then I'm going to give you the point. Look in verse 9. Uh, 2 Peter 3, 9. And in verse 9 it says, The Lord is not what? Slack concerning his what? His promises. In other words, the Lord is going to do what he said he's going to do. He says, as, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In other words, it's saying here, God is not slack concerning what he promises us. And then it goes on to say that he's long-suffering and he wants everybody to be saved. Well, write this down. It is a universal principle that God is never slack concerning his promises. He's not just slack, not slack concerning his promises toward people that are saved or not saved. He's also not slack concerning any promise in his word. So you can know in your life that if God makes a promise in his word, he is willing to keep the promise as long as we do our part. Write this down. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God in him are yes and amen. In other words, every promise God has made in his word, all of them are yes and amen. There is no might in there. Now, see, it doesn't become might until we don't do our part. Amen. Now, write down the position of our faith. That's the second point, the position of faith. Look in verse 8. Go back to Mark chapter 11. I mean, uh, Matthew chapter 8. Go back to Matthew 8. I told you to keep your ribbon there. And we're going to look at now the position of our faith because this guy's position of faith is what caused him to receive such manifestation in his life. Uh, Verse 8 says this. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. And here's the point I want to make. Our original state of unworthiness never disqualifies us for the present or future promises that God makes us. I'm going to say that again, and I'm going to just just sit here for just a second because I believe this is a problem for many people. Our original state. See, before you got saved, you were unworthy. Before the blood of Jesus Christ washed your sins away, you were unworthy to receive God's promises. But the Bible calls us now heirs of God and joint heirs through Jesus Christ. So because of that, our original state of unworthiness never disqualifies us for the present or future promises that God wants to give us. Amen. And the centurion soldier did not let his feelings of unworthiness stop him from asking Jesus for what he wanted. Look at verse 8. He says, the the centurion said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. But look at what he said. But speak the word on it. He said, I may not be worthy for you to come under my house. I may not feel that way, but I still want you to do something for me. And that's how we have to be. See, the devil's job is to condemn. That's his job. In fact, the Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. His job is to make you look bad before God. But what you don't know is what's been standing between you and the devil is the blood of Jesus. And that blood gives you the right and I the right to ask whatever we will. And that centurion knew the power of authority. It is normally the feelings of the unworthiness that keeps us from verbalizing our desires. Most people don't ask God for nothing because they don't feel like they are worthy of God's blessing. I'm just a sinner. I'm just an old snake. No, you were a sinner. 
See, the Bible says, and you can write this down, we are the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. That's what it says. And so because of that, what the devil does through our feelings of unworthiness, he stops us from verbalizing our our request. And when he stops you from verbalizing your request, your faith stops right there. Because faith requires the vocalizing of your words. Go to Mark chapter 11. Go to Mark 11. Keep your hand here. We're going to come back now. Mark chapter 11. Go to Mark chapter 11. Let me show you something. This is a very, very universal principle. Because the devil knows that faith starts with a vocal request. He knows that. His job is to keep you feeling unworthy so you won't say a word. And you know what? Can I tell you something? God can't really do something you don't ask him to. Amen. In Mark chapter 11, let me show you. Faith must, write this down. Faith must always be vocalized. In Mark chapter 11, look in verse 22. And Jesus answered, said unto them, he said, have faith in God. So he's about to explain to them how to have the God kind of faith. So in verse 23, notice what it says. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall what? Say unto this what? Say unto this mountain. What do you have to do to the mountain? You have to say it. And most people don't say a word. Can I tell you a secret too? That word say unto, that word say is the same Greek word as it is over there in Matthew when he says speak the word. Same thing. So basically he was saying, whatever, what, uh, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall speak the word. But you can't speak it if you feel unworthy. And that's the devil's job is to make you feel unworthy. My job this morning is to help you know that you're worthy. You're not worthy because of what you did. You're worthy because of what Jesus did. See, it's almost like having a big brother growing up where you didn't have to fight because he fought for you. Anybody had somebody to fight for you growing up? Oh, yeah. See, I was small growing up, so I had to have some good big friends. I love big people. I love big people. If you're big, I love you. I love you. I love you. Oh, yeah, because big people took care of all the people in my life. Well, see, when you know that You have a big brother who shed his blood and satisfied the father on your behalf. Then you'll be able to ask God for whatever it is. And that's why, let me give you an example. Every time I ride by, and heaven knows it now. She knows it. Finally, she she asked me one day, Dad, are you going to say that every time we pass our land? I said, yes. Those of you who are visiting, we own land right off of 360. And we're going to build an edifice for Jesus right there in that place. And so every time I pass the place. I stick my hand toward it and I say, Lord, thank you that that land is paid off in full in Jesus' name. Now, listen, I know that my faith is working. You know why I know our faith is working? Because remember now, our partner church, which is a gateway church, gave us $25,000 toward the project. Then we got 53000 coming in for the gas. My faith is working. But what happened if we were all saying the same thing? The devil knows that faith needs to be vocalized. Say vocalized. Now let's look at the power of faith. This is our third point. The power of faith. Let's look at verse 8. Go back to Matthew chapter 8. And let's look in verse 8, the B part. He says in the B part of the verse, But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. I want you to hear this because I asked the Lord, what gave that, that centurion that level of faith? Listen to this. The centurion knew by experience that there was power in words spoken by those in authority. Lord, 
let me say that again. The centurion knew by experience. Let me, let me explain what a centurion was. A centurion was a p- person like in the services that we have in these days. And this particular person was over at least 100 people. And so he was not only under authority. In other words, he had a boss, but he was also the boss of at least 100 people under him. So he knew that when he said something to one of his men, he knew that they had to do it. And let me tell you why he knew they had to do it. Because he knew he had to do what was told him. Now, I'm going to give you a very, very powerful point here. I want you to write this down. Until when you live a life under authority, in actions, in attitude, and in submission, your understanding of the power of of authority, spoken words, are more real. I'm going to say that again. When you live a life under authority, everybody say under authority. When you live a life under authority in actions, because see, you can be under authority, but not show it in your actions. It's like our kids sometimes. We want them to do something and they don't do it. Amen. We're in authority. They're not doing it. Well, you know what we help them do, right? We just apply the paddle to the seed of their understanding. If you know what I mean. (laughs) Some of y'all, I don't believe it with my kids. Well, that's why Junior is so bad. The Bible says, if you spare the rod, you're going to spoil your child. Let me tell you something. A little whooping ain't going to hurt nobody. How many did it help growing up? Let me see your hand. Oh, yes. Now, like like heaven, I don't have to whoop heaven no more. I can just look at heaven and she'll just start crying. (laughs) I don't have to do it. But see, that's why I said train a child. You can't whoop a teenager. You got to whoop a child. By the time they're a teenager, they beat them whooped you. That's why you get a gun when they get about 15. Just buy a gun. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. kidding. Okay. When you live a life under authority in actions, and here's a big one, in attitude. Because, see, you can do what your boss say at work and not have a good attitude about it. In fact, we say, I do it. I just, I I do it. I get rid of it. You can't tell me what. And see, you saying this all under your breath. You done left their presence. But you just, you know, you all got an attitude. But what you don't understand is that you are weakening the power of authority of words in your life. Until you live a life under authority in actions, in attitude, and in submission. Your understanding of the power of authority spoken words become more real. In other words, I know that I can say things and they will happen because I'm under authority. See, people think just because I'm the pastor, I don't have to report to nobody. I may not have a physical person to report to, even though I do as well. Because if my pastor told me to do something, I'm going to do it. But then even without that being the case, I still have to be under the authority of God. Amen. But it's also good to have accountability in your life. You know how many friends, you know how many texts I got to make sure I was not talking about church that I got from pastors? Don't forget, you're not supposed to be talking about church. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. One of my good friends, Ed Funderburg, he texted me, said, don't talk about church because he knows me. So you, listen, the power of the spoken word becomes more real when you're under authority. Now, until you agree with what God has said, the power in what he has said can't be released. I'm going to say that again. Until you agree with what God has said in his word, 
The power of what's in the word can't be released until you agree with it. See, it's, it's, it's the power of agreement that makes the word work. See, it says if two of you touch and agree, I don't need two or three if I got the word because now I got the Father, I got the Son, I got the Holy Spirit, and I sure got the angels because the Bible says the angels are going to hearken to the voice of his word. Amen. So the power of faith works when we agree with the word. We understand the power of authority spoken words. Now, the word speak there, if you, those of you who are, who are real uh, definition people, the word speak in that word, in that verse, it means answer, to bring word, to call, to grant, and to say and to tell. Now, what was interesting about that word speak, when he said speak the word only, it's the same word in Matthew 4, 3. You can write that down on turn to it. In Matthew 4, 3, when the devil told Jesus, that's why I told you the devil, he wants to stop you from vocalizing your request. And so in Matthew chapter 4, verse 3, that's when the devil came to Jesus. He said, command that these stones be made in the bread. The word command is the same Greek word as the word speak. So he was trying to get Jesus to speak to the rock because he knew the power that Jesus had. Well, if the devil knew how much Jesus, power Jesus had, how much does he try to stop us from tapping into that power? And he gets us by keeping our mouth shut. My question to you is, what have you been saying lately? Most people that I talk to, I ask them, I say, well, so they say, Pastor, I want to see God do this in my life. I said, what did you say about it today? But nothing. Well, what did you say yesterday? Nothing. Well, I sing that old song from you know I'm old school. Nothing from nothing leave nothing. You gotta have something if you want to work with him. In other words, the devil wants to keep you and your mouth shut. Amen. In Romans 4, 17, write that down. It says, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. It's talking about God. Before him who believe, even God who quickens the dead. And God calls those things which be not as though they were. God wants us to operate like he does. He don't have to see something to say it. The Bible says he saw the darkness. He didn't talk about it. He just said, let there be light. And guess what happened? Light showed up. You want to know why you're struggling in your relationship? Because all you talk about it is negative. I dare you to start talking about your mate as if what God says about them. You say, well, pastor, that ain't what they're doing. Well, how, let me tell you, can I tell you a secret? Let me tell you how to get your mate to do what you want them to do. Say the word on them. Go up to them and say, you're such a man of God, a great man of faith. You call those things that be not as though they were. And you love me as Christ loved the church. I love you, man of God. Let me tell you something. You say that enough to him, he's going to stop cussing you out. He's going to stop. I'm telling you, you want to learn how to stop getting him to cuss you out. That is right there. If you want to get her to submit, just, just speak the word over her. Say you're such a virtuous wife, according to Proverbs 31.1. That you make my heart happy. I mean, you got you to gotta save. Listen, I say it all the time. Now, I, I'm, being, I'm being monitored, but I'm going to say it anyway. Because, see, this is how you, you know, in Job 31.1, Job 31.1 says that I have made a covenant with my eyes. Therefore, why should I look upon another woman? So I say whenever I need to say it, my, my wife's breast satisfies me at all times. That's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Some of y'all need to say that. 
They good too. <laughs> right now they being owned by Brand Landon. I'm like Landon, when you giving them up, man? When you giving them up? They are mine. They are mine. They are mine. You know, he's still breastfeeding. He's almost one now, and he's still breastfeeding. I'm like, bruh, bruh. And he just, he just holds them like they're his. I'm like, what is... Can, win, 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 win. We're going to edit that out of the CD, all right? I just had to say that. Okay, here's a very controversial statement, and then we'll close. It is not your faith in the promise alone that produces the results in your life. It is the faith in the promise keeper. I'm going to say that again. It is not your faith in the promise alone that produces the results in your life. It is the faith in the promise keeper. In other words, your faith is not the source that produces the blessings. It is the God of the faith that produces the results in your life. And when you know that God is your source, you won't have to worry about what you don't or do have. Do you have, let me, let me see, let me, where's my backpack? Let me, give me a bag. Somebody give me a, you got a bag? Let me see your, let me see, here we go. This ain't too heavy, is it? All right, all right. Hmm, throw that in there for me. Okay, now, this is just for illustration purposes. Everybody say illustration purposes. Only for illustration. Let's pretend that this bag is God. We know that this bag is not God. But let's pretend that it is. And I needed blessings from the Lord. When I go to get these blessings from the Lord, he blesses me. Lord, I just need some grocery money. And I go to him and he blesses me with some money. Because the Bible says, man should not live by bread alone. So I need some bread too. It also says, give me this day my daily bread. So I got to eat. So the Bible, he already knows that he wants to meet our needs, but I got to ask him. And so how many have ever asked God for some grocery money? Let me see your hand. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I guess it is. So I'm going to give you this money. Uh-huh. Did you raise your hand? Yeah. Uh-huh. So she got $30 right there. Now watch this. Watch this. Watch this. If she sees me as the source She's going to be disappointed. But if she knows that I got the money from God, then she can go and do the same thing. And so what happens is now, when God is your source, you don't see money as a pie. Because if you have see money as a pie and you, chop, you, you, know, you kind of chop it up and you eat it, the pie, is one, let's get low, then you get, start feeling bad. See, that's some of y'all's problem. Your feelings are governed by how much money you got or don't got. You know why? Because your source is your hands or your job and not your God. But see, when you know God is the source, you just go back to him every day. Say, okay, Lord, yeah, what's happening? Hey, what's happening? I don't know. We just out here just giving away money. Y'all better take that money. Y'all better take it. Y'all better take it. Y'all better take it. All right, let me go over here on this side over here. Let me go over here. Y'all didn't act like y'all want to take none on this side. When you, when you know you just need some money, you just, you just throw it out there. You just throw it out there. You just throw it out there. You just throw it out You know why? Because I go back to God. But that 
But that journey back to God has to start with a request. And that's the devil's job. It was the, listen to this now, it was the understanding of the centurion of how powerful words of authority work that made his faith great. It was how much he understood about the authority in the word. And when you know the authority in the word, you start speaking the word. And that's why Jesus, he said, if you just speak the word. If you notice, now let's just drop down now to go back to Matthew, going back, verse 8, we're closing here. We're looking at the promise of faith right now. Looking Matthew 8. Look now uh, in verse 13. And Jesus said unto the centurion, he said, go your way. Watch this now. And as you have what? Once you've what? It is not what you are believing that produces results as much as what you have believed. See, most people are believing, but, but when are you going to stop and say, I believe? I believe God's going to do this. When you believe it, you can rest. I don't worry every, every morning about the, the loan payment on our land because it's done. He told me to buy the land. We bought the land. There's no struggle, no strain, and no stress. But if I didn't believe, if I have not believed past tense, I'm going to wake up every morning. Lord, and that's why I thank God. I don't ask him, Lord, can you pay the land off? In Jesus? No, no, no. I pass the land and I thank him for it every, every day. Lord, thank you. Every time I pass it, thank you that our land is paid off in full. And slowly, here's the thing, slowly signs begin to follow me because I believe. In John, let's close now. Let's, let's, let's go to Mark. Go to Mark. Go to Mark. We'll close here. Mark here. Mark chapter 16. Mark 16. See, once we believe, then the stress of the issue dissolves and manifestation begins to surface. Once we believe, we should never need a sign. Signs should always follow our faith. In, John, in Mark, what did I tell you to go? Mark 16? Okay, go to Mark 16 and we'll close on this verse right here. I'm pretty much on time. Praise the Lord. Mark 16. Are you being blessed this morning? Watch this now. Mark 16, look in verse 17. Because here's the problem I find. Most believers are looking for a sign. Lord, if that's my husband, make it rain purple Kool-Aid. <laughs> Lord, if that's my job, let them put it in the newspaper with my name on it. Come on now. Signs should follow those that believe, not follow those to believe. Watch this now. In Mark 16, look in verse 17. It says, and these signs shall follow those who what? Who believe. You ought to have some signs following you. And the signs are nothing but the manifestation of the promise that you ask God for with your mouth. And if you don't see the promise or the manifestation today, just keep saying it because your mouth is going to produce the results of your faith if you will consistently say it. Watch this now. You never need a sign if you believe the word. 
See, let me t- tell you something about the devil because he can give you line. Write this down. Second, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, it says this. And then shall that wicked one be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. Notice how the Lord consumes the devil with his mouth. Why? Because the word of God comes out of the mouth of God. Then it says, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. You don't want to ask for a sign because the devil can send you one. But what you need to do is expect a sign when you're confessing the word. I believe quite a few of us in this room, we've stopped opening our mouth because we are feeling condemned. But nobody has the right to condemn you. Because Jesus has made the way clear. And that's why you have to stay in constant fellowship with him. Because when your fellowship with, with him produces the confidence of you requesting with your mouth. See, it's hard to ask for somebody for something if you really don't know them. See, it's easy to ask your mom. How many have asked, had to ask your mama for some money or your dad for some money? You know what I'm saying? It's easy. But, but go and try to ask your boss for some. See what happens. You're not going to want to do that because you don't have that kind of relationship with him. But when you have that relationship with God the way you need to, you can walk out and you can request. And I don't care how big the request is. See, because that's our problem. We weigh the request on the size of our mind instead of the size of our God. He's able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we can ask or think. But see, notice we have to ask and then you have to think. See, you have to ask big and then you have to think big. Go by, listen, just go expand your mind. I look at stuff all the time that I can't afford. But it ain't my bill anyway. Because one day, God's going to give me what I'm asking for. So once I got the faith and I ask him, all I do now is just thank him for it. Thank you for that person's watch right there on their arm, Lord. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I mean, I don't ask for other people's stuff. I ask for what, you see what I'm saying? Don't be asking for people's stuff now. Lord, I want her husband. I want his wife. No, you can't do that. Get your own stuff to ask for. But I believe God sent me this morning to help you boost your faith by helping you see that if you will open your mouth, which the devil does not want you to do, he does not want you to open your mouth. If you will open your mouth and begin to ask God, and when you ask him, once you believe, how do you know you believe? When it's settled in your heart, you know that, listen, what I ask him for, he's going to do it. But if you're constantly asking the same thing, you ain't really believing. You haven't believed, and that's what it says. We got to believe that we receive right now. When you pray and ask God for something, you don't believe after you pray. You believe while you're praying. So once you ask him for it, when I walk out of my prayer closet, I ain't got to ask him no more. I'm thanking him now because I know manifestation is on the way. I believe there are some people here this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed. You've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life.